Like you can just see everything around. You can see the people. You can see their faces. Yeah. Like you can see people behind them. You can see people in front of them. You can see when he turns. There's different. Like it's. Yeah. it's I I, lo- I love it. Like it's uh, inspired me. Like okay, this is what an actual special is. Like, yeah, yeah. There, there are tons of those here. Um, I actually had a guy deliver me weed on one where he was like, because he, he, apparently his car for his driver was on the other side of town, so he just got on a scooter to come by. And that's that's impressive. Like we just got those. We got uh, Lime, and then like the day after Lime became active, we already got like one of the competitors. Well, there's um, the one that works with Uber and the one that works with Lyft. There's Lime and Bird. I think yeah. they're the two main ones. Yeah, yeah. we have Lime. Um, do you guys, because I know in Nebraska, it says go on the street, but everyone in Nebraska hates the idea of bikers on the street and scooters on the streets. So we all do the sidewalk anyway. Uh, here, uh, a lot of times sidewalks are, it, it depends because like obviously if it's like uh, three kids who have never done it before and are doing it for the first time to have fun or whatever, they're yeah. just going to do it on the sidewalk and get in everyone's way. Some people who are actually doing it for like if like they're older or by themselves, they're usually doing it in the street. Like it's it's usually if they're it's either all or nothing. So it's either okay. like three jerks who don't know what they're doing on the sidewalk, or one person on the actual uh, in the street. Because uh, a lot of them the sidewalks here are so fucked up, you wouldn't be able to ride a that, scooter that across them anyways. It is. It you is, have to do the road. Mm-hmm. We have to do the road. It's the only. Play, like the sidewalk is going to stop sometimes and there's nothing they can do. So like that's, that's what they ride in the road if they're, if they're actually trying to go somewhere. The, the streets seem a lot safer. Uh, well, I mean, maybe not traffic wise, but they, but <laughs> yeah. they're, they're a lot better. Uh, they're, they're definitely going to be a lot uh, more reliable to exist. Right. Uh, the the sidewalk is going to stop. Road is definitely going to give you a little bit of a warning if it's yeah. suddenly going to go away. Yeah. Uh, anyways, this is Running the Light, a uh, podcast where I talk to comedians from all over the nation about what inspires them. And with me, I have uh, Sean here. Howdy. And uh, L.A. comic and recording inside my Airbnb, which feels weirdly small. Yeah, well, it's all it's all bed. It's all bed. It is. And it, uh, it makes the bed look bigger, but the room looks smaller. Yeah, I think the guy, whoever does this, looks really like uh, furry rugs. He's got two big furry rugs in the living room, and then you have a blanket. It's also, that's, that's a bit of a furry theme. It is. It looks is, like a eighties fuck bed, like with a little bit of leather. Like this used to be a waterbed. Yeah, it feels exactly like it used to be a waterbed, and uh, the pool outside seems like some some crime has happened. Yeah, well, that looks like the only thing, only time anyone's ever probably pulled out in this room. That's uh, <laughs> does not. This this looks like a baby factory. But I'm here alone in a Street Fighter shirt. Well, uh, I mean, let's not uh, impregnate anyone then. Yeah. It's probably a very successful bed. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Giving it a break. Um, but uh, I am seeing you at one of our shows, uh, Canteen Points. Yep. Yep. Uh, and you just absolutely crushed it. And Thank I you. thought I'd say I wanted to talk to you and get to know you. Uh, and how was your week? What have you done this week? Uh, well, it's um, I've been pretty busy, to be perfectly honest. Um I just got back into town like a little while ago mm-hmm. where I was gone for three months in a, a cabin in LJ, Georgia, fixing it up. My, yeah. my dad passed away, so I had to be there first for when he was sick, then the whole dying process, then the death, then the funeral right. stuff, and then the cleaning out the home and fixing it up and everything like that and doing all that work. 
So I just got back to town like a few weeks ago. And so I've been handling just a bunch of shit. So I work every day from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then I go from that to the gym and I've been going to medical appointments because also I'm getting all my stuff taken care of. Right. Because what with the whole being the only one left, I figure Might as well. let's, let's get everything taken care of. So of uh, going to the dentist one day, then going to the dentist another day. I got new glasses and new, new contact prescription. I went to a doctor once that was like, you need a chest x-ray just because, and because he's a new primary care physician, right. but he doesn't have a chest x-ray machine. So I have to then go to another place to go get it. Oh, and like then I, so then I have to schedule time for me to be able to go. Then I go to one of uh, the places listed and it turns out they'll only scan titties and, uh, they're, they're, they're breast scanner only. They don't do chest scanning mm. um uh and so then i had to then go from that one to another place and then i went to that place and then when i went the second i walk in the room the x-ray machine breaks damn and totally I, I, I get sent home and i had and so i lost like you know like I, I lost like two hours of my day doing that and then uh two and a half and then i went back again and got the chest x-ray finally and got that <laughs> taken care of and had that sent over to the night of the phone and tomorrow i have to meet a, a specialist um uh after work uh, and then after that, then on Tuesday, that's when I'm seeing the other doctor, my primary care physician, to get the results of the of, of blood work, as well as also the um, uh, the chest X-ray, and see if everything else is going good to go, and um, blah 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 blah. And I still haven't even had time to really like bug people for more shows or things like that lately, because um, I had to cancel so many when I was gone. Of course, I didn't have any time to do that. Right. And then I'm also managing right now two estates, two uh, things like that. I'm getting my website realized. So even just on the way here, I'm having to answer a bunch of questions from a web designer that's asking me stuff uh, who tried to make the tagline for my comedy, uh, the, the comedy on the dark side, which I was like, that sounds a little Star Wars-y. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a, a huge fan of the show. You know, um, so I had the, and then she was like, what do you think? And I was like, well, I'm just a little too Star Wars-y. Let's, let's, I don't, I don't know why I mind the idea of a tagline, but I don't like that one necessarily that is that is the step i'm working towards i need to find someone for like setting up a website so i can put like the podcast i can put clips i can put a bio well i've had one for a long time i just never updated it right and so i'm getting it fully revamped and everything like that but then i'm also starting a show with some other people that they're texting me asking me stuff and right and i've got a uh, dinner reservation at 5 30 i'm taking uh my girlfriend out to a really nice restaurant because nice. we've never been to a Michelin star place before. So we're going to a two star Michelin restaurant. That's uh, supposedly really, really good. Damn, um, yeah. The guy was just voted like best chef in the entire West coast by like the James Beard foundation or something like some shit like that. Like, Damn. I don't, I mean, I'm sure I'm just going to go, Oh, that tastes really great, but there's a very small amount. Um, <laughs> yeah. but it's either way, it's a excuse for her to spend some time together because we haven't really, because even when I was gone, then I was in, I came back, then I had to do a week in Tahoe, uh, at a casino show, which sucked. Really? Um, well, all the shows were good. And the people I was working with was great. Um, it's just that they're a casino show that won't kick people out. And right. so there was one night, there were, dolling up the lowest tone night, there were six bros just yelling. But they were yelling at each other. They weren't even yelling. At you. Yeah, there was, there's no way to get them to stop talking because they're just like, hey, bro. They're like, just yelling at each other. And when I tried to tell them to shut up or anything like that, they wouldn't. And then I had to be like, yeah. And I called them a, a bunch of cunts. And that's when they got, uh, the club got mad because they're like, you're not supposed to curse at them. And they took my hosting spot away. And that's why I had to feature the last one. This, the second to last show, the late night Saturday night Damn. show. Damn. And I only had one more show. And then they, they didn't want me hosting for that one. And it was like, and I've never been fired from a show before. 
Um, but fine, whatever. And uh, so then I didn't get to see my girlfriend for that whole week because I was working in a hotel in Tahoe. And then when I get um, I get back, we, you know, I've just been so busy, busy, busy. I haven't been able to really spend some time with her. So we're going to today go, you know, to have an end of a nice meal. And then yeah. after that, we're going to go uh, get some drinks at the Magic Castle, which normally not allowed in but a friend of mine's a magician who will walk us in yeah, and let us let, let us in for free and awesome. so then we don't have to pay like I'll, i mean I, I mean you pay like a little bit of a cover but not you pay the magician price not the uh the other price and you don't have to get dinner because when you when you get a normal thing you have to like go and get uh the full meal and see the big show and everything like that and a lot of times you just want to just have a drink and go maybe catch some of one of the shows yeah, right. like and that's it you know yeah. like but that, that way we can come and go as we please and not have to go watch literally the whole sawing woman in half routine that some of the people do right yeah. um and so we're gonna go do that and hopefully have a have a fun little little night before going right back to work in the morning tomorrow and yeah. having another doctor appointment and another <laughs> uh, blah, blah 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 and it just keeps going and going and going and going Dang. um sounds like a it sounds like a, it sounds like a hell of a time well just you know, I'm, I'm still, everything's still evening out. It'll be regular again eventually, but I'm just very busy right now right. trying to get my, my life back together because I put it on hold for three months and now I've got a whole bunch of different, you know, I've got a promotion at work too, so that's going to require more like responsibility and stuff uh, like that. Oh, the promotion, I thought you were promoting something. Yeah, that's that's great. Congrats. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't I'm going to be the manager, like the, there's pros and cons of it, like, right. um, if I can set it up right, then I, I'm allowed to take myself off the on-call schedule, which means I'll never be interrupted while doing stand-up again. Hey. So, But I have to get people in to be able to do that. Um, I make a new hire, but then, of course, my person who would be responsible for the hiring uh, went on vacation, so I have to wait for that motherfucker to be back. So until then, it's just me and one other person handling an entire uh, help desk um, that, like, a, 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 we're on this, this admin, and they're the new person. And so, like, because they're new, they can't really do everything. And, right. So, you know, I'm just uh, stuck doing a lot of extra work that I want to want to get done yeah. and do some uh, like some more stand up writing and some more other stuff. And just, you know, it's just a lot. Yeah. Sounds like a super hectic week, man. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You're trying to make the best of every day right. um, and get as much as I can done because these problems aren't going to go away nope. if I ignore them. So they're things I have to keep doing. Um, so it's a balancing act. But once I get like the medical stuff taken care of, that's done. And once I get like the show stuff routine back together, that, that, that'll be done. Yeah. Once I get that home sold over there, that'll be done. Um, so like I'm just, I'm right now managing two sets of bills, two sets of everything. Cause I gotta, you know, I gotta uh, pay all that stuff and I gotta monitor all my dad's stuff and the stuff that's in the estate. And uh, I have forms that I have to fill out that I have to file with the LJ courthouse in Gilmer County. Like, yeah. uh, do we as part of like, just tons of crap to do and I have to make sure an affidavit from the newspaper gets to the court to say yeah. that I, I ran the ads, sang the Freddie debtors or creditors to show up. You know, luckily, I, I don't know, like I just got tons of crap to do. Yeah. Uh, and I've got to, when I go home, fill out a bunch of forms before going to this dinner and then, you know, I'll have the rest of my night planned out. Um, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so there you go. Just tons and tons of stuff. Um, and managing now all of my dad's, stuff on top of all my own stuff to make sure all that stuff make sure i'm legally compliant with everything because now those people can come after me if there's any problems and blah blah like so i just need to make sure everything goes fine of um and getting closer and closer but um 
Uh, other than that, just been able to try to. I, I wish I had more time to write more stand up because I've like the stuff you saw was all new stuff I've written since then. It didn't. It didn't feel like new stuff. Uh, for those listening, he you talked about your father and you talked about the funeral process and whatnot. Uh, and it didn't, it felt incredibly polished even then. Even like your crowd work with like a motorcycle going off in the background uh, felt incredibly polished. It was really a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Um, there's, I mean, uh, despite the fact that he's, you know, uh, you know, the whole issue with him and his, his uh, daughter and whatnot, Woody Allen had a good statement. Was you can give a, 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 a funny line to an unfunny person and they'll fuck it up every time. You can give a phone book to a funny person and they'll make you laugh the whole time. Exactly. Be a funny person, not a funny line. And so, like, I try to, I, I spent years trying to practice how to just do it naturally instead of, Right, you know, like doing it, like I purposely like wouldn't bring my notes, wouldn't use notes, wouldn't do other stuff. Right. Like make sure, like, like force myself to figure it out on stage. Mm-hmm. How do you? Because um, I know uh, some newer comics will equate that to not writing and kind of let the writing happen on stage. No, uh, I, I, I think about what I want to do ahead of time. So it's not that I don't write; it's just right. that I don't write it down, and then after I've done the joke, I write it down so that I don't forget it later. Do you record when you do that? No. Or, okay. Because if it wasn't worth remembering, then then I won't remember it later. Like if the, the, the only way that I'll ever memorize anything is if I wanted to memorize it. And that only comes from years <laughs> of doing it, of course. Right. You've and, been doing this like fifteen years. Yeah. Right? So now I know my, my process and how my mind works to know when I need to write something down and when I don't. Um. So like when I have X, like I know, like sometimes I'll sit down and I'll just try to write out everything I've I've said but like just like maybe like one or two words for each joke right so you like i know for me if you go into my joke book i've been trying to write word for word because sometimes when i'm jumping because i used to write just the beats i write just the punchline or the idea of each segment of the joke yeah and in doing that sometimes my jokes don't feel as tight i'm trying to do that do you write word for word or is it kind of no I, I i i do it just like the one or two of the subject material right because i do want to rewrite it every single time i'm doing the joke so that way it sounds a little bit new every single time got it and it leaves me open to being making new punchlines. um so like if i like on the subject but by, by doing the same jokes about um say for example like this week i know I wrote the idea. Of, I, I I I riffed just because I hadn't written a downward for it about how like oh I had to take my dad to a funeral. And that's something I've been saying multiple times and mm-hmm. blah blah. And I had never thought anything more of it. And then one time when one of the shows when I was in Tahoe, I was like oh well I didn't do it. I paid someone else to do it. And just that one thing then became uh, a, a a ding dong. The the Mitch is dead. And they actually they frown upon you showing up at a funeral home with a dead body. They'll ask a lot of questions. Yeah. I, if I hadn't written it out, I wouldn't have. You would have glossed over. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have thought. I wouldn't have just randomly uh, expounded on that subject, and or that, or realized that I that it sounds funny saying, well, not not, not funny as in like ha, funny as in like it sounds weird going. I took him to a funeral. I was like, no, you didn't. You had someone else take him to it, and I just corrected myself, which then became a joke, and then be, like, and so I and I will I'll never forget that. Now, yeah, no, that was a solid like, um, I think two minutes of material, right? But there. it uh became it, it just came out of nowhere because I only I had never tried to write anything after it or or promised myself that something needs to come after it, yeah. Like, um, so it just by leaving it open, it worked for me because my brain eventually did spontaneously think of a joke there, and it does do that usually. Like, when before I record an album, 
I'll go on tour for about two months straight of doing nothing but uh, hour long sets of the same material every single time to let myself think of that stuff like to expect because you never know when just you're at an audience in we say Omaha or something like that and suddenly you think of it and you want to keep it in like I never I never get try to keep it so tight that I can not think of something new keep keep it open but uh, at least jot the idea something at least the joke that right. balance between the two. I but get that. Also practice it enough where you are so comfortable with a joke that you can go in and out. Right. You Which only is... you only think of those spontaneous mutations of a joke when you're so comfortable. Right. Like you have to have already been doing it on autopilot for part of your brain to have gone, oh wait, actually we could go here. And I know where to return. I know how to get home. Right. Like in the joke. Because yeah. because I've I've done it so much. So I'm in a room, I don't care. I, I feel free enough that I'm allowed to do this kind of a thing. And that works in a, an environment like, uh, I would say an environment in LA where there's so many open mics you can go to in the span of a week or even in a day where you can do the same jokes over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it would help if, um, I mean, also there's so many comics here that you know, they know so many shows, you're, you're only doing it maybe like once a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like as the same people in the fucking show. It's like the, right. you can you can repeat the same jokes and work on them, but because I'm not writing them down specifically, they aren't always going to be the same every single time. Like they should have some variance to them. And I usually write fast enough that when someone to see me again, I usually have different stuff every time. Anyways, I don't, I'm not one of those. I'm not doing the, I do a different set every single night. Right. Not that kind of stuff. It's just that (laughs) I don't write it down so that I, 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 it always should sound natural because it should always actually be how you decided to talk that night. That means it'll be affected by, uh, you know, like just your mood and everything else, and it should um, be a one-sided conversation, not a stage play. Right, right. And that's why it's not a, not so set in stone. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, my week has been just uh, I had like one day, like once we did the family stuff yesterday was kind of my cool down day. Yeah, did a recording, got here, uh, and then tonight I'm doing a feature set and a open mic. I forgot which one. Oh. Yeah. Fair enough. There are a lot of they're called uh, Chopin mics. Chopin mics. Yeah, that's a, that's a term I had heard it for them. Uh, half show, half mic. I um, like that. I like that. And so they're like they'll have longer good sets in between, but for the most part, it's a it's an open mic. But uh, some of them can have really good audiences. Some can really suck. So it really just depends on the hey, one. I'm excited. On. Uh, I'm also good. I didn't know that there's open mics in the middle of the day. So yeah. I'm gonna swing, swing by fourth wall after this. Um, yeah, I think that's a pay one. Yeah. Uh, I, that I'm not used to. I've yeah, not heard of that before. I don't. I, I, I don't do, do like the the pay ones. I don't. I don't mind like the ones that are like a drink purchase, but the ones that are like ten minutes, like eight to ten minutes yeah, for a fifteen minute set. That I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in the. In the I saw like four o'clock. They were free. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna just swing on there. Cool man. Yeah, well, it was fun. I've never been to one of those. Uh, there's a, there's one on Sundays at five p.m. called uh, at um that's Quincy's Liquid Zoo. No, there's um uh Silver Lake bar, uh, bar or okay. Silver Lake Lounge, I think. That's the that's traditionally a five five p.m. called Wasted Afternoons or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's one that I'll go to. That's also comedy and music. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that are watching and are musicians that don't know anything about comedy. So you can get exposed to different people and stuff like that. That's always fun in Omaha. We did uh we have we call them mixed open mics. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of them normally they'll give a comic 15 minutes instead of the normal five well, um, when they give comics like five and they give uh, uh musicians and rappers two songs 
Oh, see. Um, so there's a lot of rappers as well that come to that. Yeah. And they'll be like a their whole hype man and everything I, like yeah. that. It's hilarious. My favorite, I remember there was a place called the Shark Club Lounge. It's not open anymore, but there was one rapper and six hype men just jumping behind them. And it was, I'm going to have to go right after them. Yeah. It was amazing. That's a, it's, that's a lot of fun. Like, yeah. um, but also just like being seen by other people. Um, oh, those rooms rougher because I know in Omaha, uh, sometimes performing in front of a musician group is, or a, a mixed up mic where they're all there to listen po- to poets and musicians. You can talk well, this to one doesn't, musicians. doesn't really uh, have too many um, poets. Poets. Um, it's a rowdier. So this is more like rap and music based. Like, so there's not a whole lot of like quiet and listen to this slam right. poetry kind of stuff. Like there's the occasional one, but it's usually very fiery. They don't normally even sometimes they say still talk over the poets. And so mm-hmm. like a comic, especially if you're new, I tell them to go to those mics because if you can make it if you can get their attention there yeah when someone's talking you can get their attention anywhere yeah well i mean i don't have too many of those i don't have too much experience with them but yeah i do oh. i do agree with you. if you can do, if you can do it there you can do it anywhere um you just got to throw yourself into as many different situations as possible right you're trying to pull it out like if you can't uh if you can't pull it out then you keep working it's not always their fault yes you, i mean i don't think you should be you can make anyone laugh and i don't think you're a bad comic if you can't but I don't see why anyone would shy away from the challenge. Like you should be able to pull it out in a, in a, uh, in a track parking lot. Like you yeah. should be able to like, in theory, you should be funny enough to do anything. So like, don't put limitations to yourself or by saying you have to have a preferred environment. Like you got to work. Sometimes yeah. it sucks, but you got to work. Got to yeah. learn. And that stuff will like there, I guarantee you there's someone out there who can do it. Yeah. So why couldn't you like just, and it doesn't mean you're bad, but it does mean you could have worked more. Exactly. I'll at least take a shot. You know? Yeah. And I think putting yourself in more, uh, I would say alternative environments, uh, makes you a more round, well-rounded, polished comic. I've had to do stand up on a train before. I've had to do other, like when there's people getting on and off every three minutes and you're oh. like, all right. That sounds, I, I've done it like at art galleries and at, uh, restaurants or even coffee shops and no one's looking those are those are fun shows yeah, yeah. yeah. they can be they can suck oh no they, they <laughs> suck don't get me wrong but they're they're fun because they're challenging yeah and so i mean i kind of dig that yeah um you actually picked one of the more well, at least for me hardest to find specials um and then it's a it, it was a very random one that i saw on hbo once that yeah really changed uh the way i look at a lot of stuff and finding finding it on daily motion was was fun um, but it's George Carlin's On Location, 1977, his first HBO special. Yeah, his very first one, and it's in the round at, at, the, a, at a college uh, stadium. Yeah, the University of Southern California. And he does it, does it in the, the fact that he's doing it first in the round. Yeah. And the fact that it's his very first time on HBO, and it's not like a theater show. Like, it's in the round, man. Yeah. And at one point, somebody throws uh, uh, eye drops at him. And he pick, it picks it up, and then he goes, like, I'm not that bad, am I? Like, he's like, my eyes aren't that red. Like, is that how high he fucking is? Like, the fact they were joking about how high he was or, on stage or while is, doing it. Or his mic going off. And yeah. And, like, he's just changing, and it's like, now the jokes are probably going to be better. Like, I absolutely love it's, it's It's a very real, unedited. And then, like, when he's about to do the, uh, at this point, he become, started to become known for the seven words you can't say bit. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't been on TV yet. And this was HBO's first attempt to grab that. Yep. And so, um, but before they do it, it literally cuts 
to uh, an old lady in a in a high back chair there's, by a fireplace. Yeah, there's two interruptions. One before the special, which is the old lady. Yeah. And I want to compare that to a uh, second episode we have, fourth episode actually, with Haley Raven. We would listen to Sam Kinison's Family Variety Hour, mm-hmm. which has like a Vincent Price impersonator also doing an introduction. And I, I paused it and compared the two. The HBO one was very real saying, listen, we're going to talk about a serious topic which turns out to be fucking farts. Yeah. I, we talk about a serious topic, about the abuse and use of language, and some people find it controversial. Good evening. I'm Shana Alexander. Home Box Office has asked me to introduce tonight's On Location, featuring George Carlin. Tonight you will see a performance usually seen only if you can get to the nightclubs, college campuses, and theaters where George Carlin is a constant sellout. A portion of Mr. Carlin's performance needs special introduction, at least for television. His target is language, how we use it and abuse it. Some would simply say that tonight's language is very strong. Others would say it goes beyond this and would find it vulgar. Aristophanes, Chaucer, and Shakespeare were vulgar too at times. Anyway, the segment is controversial. It provoked a legal proceeding at the Federal Communications Commission. In March of this year, I am happy to say, a federal court of appeals ruled in favor of Mr. Carlin's right to freedom of speech. Home Box Office intends to provide top programming to subscribers of widely different tastes. One proof of that has been their commitment to bring you the best in contemporary comedy. In the United States, in 1977, that includes George Carlin, one of this generation's philosophers of comedy, defining, reflecting, and refining the way we see our own time. Home Box Office is proud to present this very important performer, but we respect your decision about whether you want to see the program. It contains language you hear every day on the street, though rarely on TV. For those of you who already know George Carlin, you're in for a special evening. For those of you who want to know George Carlin, I'm glad to be here to introduce you. And now, George Carlin on location. And it's like, you know what? It felt very respectful. It felt kind of like those Whoopi Goldbergs well, in it, front of Looney Tunes. It felt like a Jimmy Carter fireside chat. Yes, it did. Like, so like, Jimmy Carter did him in dress down as opposed to uh, the previous ones, which were done uh, in suits. Mm-hmm. And actually, one reason people attribute to their the, the, the reason why Jimmy Carter didn't get a second uh, cycle was because people didn't like seeing a president not in a suit. Yeah. Um, and the idea was like, that's oh, so professional. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then you compare it to uh, Kinnison's, which was, yeah, he's a priest, but he's going to say some offensive stuff. Get ready to be shocked. And you're waiting for it. Whereas in Carlin, if you're more of now, like we talked, the material is going to be sensitive. Let's look at the sensitive material. And it changes the entire set. In fact, the entire set, the way he frames this seven pretty words versus class clowns. Class clowns is a hype. He has a statement in which class clown equals anti-authoritative. And he approaches then the seven dirty words like a child who found these seven dirty words. Yeah. And finding it, isn't it weird that we can't say it? Whereas in this one, it's more like the the TV sensitivity and going in and like there's these other things. They, there's some shit they just won't let you say. Like these, right. it's not has no grand or purpose so much as like like for some strange reason they're getting rid they're they're getting in the way here. But you can say this, but you can't say this. You can say this, but you can't say this. And it's just it's more of an angry rant of hip, uh, against the hypocriticism. Yes, yeah, uh, of it. And, and that's and I, I love that special so fucking much. One because it, it, it's probably the first thing that made me really want to be a comedian like first off that interaction with the with the crowd over being too high 
Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they were both chill with it and joking about it. And that, that shows one of the few specials where you see someone break and not be written. It's a special, but it's not written. Like, it's not word for word. It's how a normal performer really would act if you really did go see a real There's show. There's no glamour. It right. is the most unglamorous thing it's ever. It's just a camera on him in the round. It's fucking great. And it's... There's no, there, there's, and you can see all the people all around it the entire yeah. way across. He has to try to address every single group of people. He's doing the, like, he's, he's not restrained. There's no, like, the, like because it's in the round, like, and the lighting is not very great. No, there's just cutouts of him behind him, uh, like a cardboard. Well, you can literally have, like, um, what is it? Like, you can just see everything around. You can see the people. You can see their faces. Yeah. Like, you can see people behind him. You can see people in front of him. You can see when he turns, there's different, like, it's, yeah. it's I, I, I love it. Like, it's, uh inspired me to like oh, okay this is what an actual special is yeah that's the way i never try i always uh try never to stick too strong to the material I'd be willing to to jump out and jump back in and that's something that he did in that special multiple times without any problems and it didn't get you know like and even though you get that weird interruption that does break the momentum a little bit it doesn't really because yeah. he builds it back right back up immediately when you get back into the special and he starts yeah. going into that bit it was also weird, like, seeing HBO actually pause mid-frame. He's taking a sip, and they say, this is the part that's going to be controversial. And he yeah. says, there's seven dirty words I want to talk about. And that's weird, because, like, what I loved about the placement of that, and that joke actually goes way differently than, than Class Clowns, but he's he built an hour. It's a two-hour fucking long special. And it doesn't feel two hours. It doesn't. Like, well, that's, but that, because it's not, it's completely unedited. It's completely, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's a normal, like, fuck, it's a real special. That's what that, that's what a night of comedy should fucking be. When you go out and somebody and there's one guy that, or one person that can do that that oh. effectively for two straight hours and it didn't feel long. Nothing about it. Everything like I was. It was the right pace. Then. It was it's just the right pace yeah. about it. And he doesn't repeat his pace too much because he's no. using arguments so that instead of it's a con it is a conversation. It is. So you don't feel like you're hearing a bunch of jokes. It's not like a, a Jeselnik album where it's just like repeating the same structure over and over and over and over and over again. Right. Like that, no matter how good it is, gets re- just gets repetitive. We were talking about yesterday, Alex K and I were talking about Beyond the Pale by Jim Gaffigan. And I said it felt very dense. It felt like a slow burn because it's 40 minutes of food jokes of very of kind of the same structure. This was... He had this general statement, and I think that's why he put seven dirty at the end. It's everything is normal. We're looking at how things are normal and using very clever word choices about the normality of life. Uh, but it doesn't, it just goes rapid fire, man. He's going from topic to topic every like two minutes. Yeah, and it's 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 great. It's a roller coaster. And yeah. that's that's something that that's why it's my favorite special. Like, and it's one that almost no one's ever seen. It's an and amazing it's, special. And it's it's the original. Like it's it's like to me that's it's like it's it's the OG of comedy specials because it's like it's Carlin before he really blew up and it's but like it's back when a raw form like it's like even at this time in the 70s when he did this, it was not considered normal to even have your own written jokes. It was actually, not everybody was writing their own material right. at this point. And it, for him to be writing that much and to do that, great. Like, cause that, there's, uh, I mean, and cause there's recordings of him even in the, the 50s talking about police brutality, yep. the plant guns on you and stuff like that. Or even and, the radio, yeah. uh, put up in takedowns. So. And, and he'll, and he'll, he's talked about that long before anybody else ever did. And he got fired constantly and other than four cursing in casino rooms, uh, yeah. just like, one time he got fired for saying he had no ass. Like, so by, for, and they fired him for that. 
man. <laughs> like it's it, it's very obvious because in the special I was watching, uh, he has like a two minute interview. He's sitting in one of the audience chairs and HBO is asking him questions about who his inspirations are. And he says Lenny Bruce. He was with Lenny Bruce when he was arrested. Was like, it makes so much sense that his focus is on language and how language is abused and how it's an important tool if he's been following comics like Lenny yeah. Bruce all around. Yeah, well, it's good that you can see the progression of it and where it goes. Yeah. And it's just great. It is. Uh, I, I noticed like, I compared this to Class Clown a lot because it tackles that topic. Um, Class Clown feels way more structured. Class Clown. Uh, well, it's an album. It and, is. And the other one's a show. It is. Like and that's, that's the main difference. That's what I loved about it was that it was. I want. I love seeing a show, and there's very, very, very hard to capture the the, the unique intimacy of a, a real live show, and he managed to do that, and get it captured, but like, like yeah. uh, for two hours, like and it, like that's so rare, and you that's see. that's why all the jokes are slightly different than everybody else's because they're not meant to be. Poly- it's it's. How it's meant you, to be viewed. Yeah, it's meant to be, it's meant to be like experience, and it's it's like the, when you you see like oh, this is live, like this is actually what it would be should be like live, like not just a recording where it's very where you know what you're doing ahead of time and it's very set. This one he does break and variant and like he changes some of his stuff and yeah. it's like it's it fits the room and his body his his the way his body moves with the joke like some of it it's. it's I don't want to say the words aren't even coherent, but in a way it isn't because the focus is on how he moves. It's also he he's high. Visual. Like oh, he's yeah. Doing, well, he's, yeah. He's also, you know what I mean? He's like, also high. Like, the guy. fact that they, that, he, that, that they never edited that out, that they just let the audience throw fucking in that eye drops at him. And he, when he, <sighs> he picks it up, he's just like, oh, am I that bad? <laughs> They're that obvious? Uh, love that shit, man. What's, you, what's your favorite, like, the audience has changed your set? type of moment or changed in the moment um like that that's happened to me yeah um well when i was first going through a lot of i think the the, the most important one was the one where i i finally figured out that i wanted to talk about dark stuff and it completely changed how i think of all jokes instead of trying to think what's funny and how to talk about it. I started thinking about what I wanted to talk about and how to make it funny. Yeah. Um, which is a reversal in my writing process mm-hmm. going complete from end to end. And, um, I was just upset and I was on stage at a mic in Chicago right after my, my sister had died and I was just complaining about something and just kind of riffing on something. And then, um, uh, at one point I went, uh, don't, oh, but don't worry about me. I'm looking at things in a casket half full kind of way. <laughs> and everyone was, and I laughed and I went, oh, wait, that was the first time I'd gotten any response, like to any of that. And I didn't feel so bad for, for think for what, you know, like I just felt also kind of guilty for wasting everyone's time. Right. Like I could like, I just couldn't do my old stuff and I couldn't think of anything new and. Uh, my brain was just gone and that kicked in and I was like, oh, my self-defense is, is actually where this should go. And so I spent the time sitting down and actually writing it and then it ended up being really good. Yeah. Um, but it took that one, that one little aha moment on stage of just randomly riffing that when I saw the audience complaining about me, yeah. me complaining about, I was, I was literally was complaining about like, uh, God, it going like, and they were just like, what the fuck is this? And like... <laughs> That's, and then when I thought of that and they actually liked it, I was like, wait, oh, wait, uh, never mind. I think I actually can do something with this. And right. then that changed 
how I look at pretty much everything had to do with stand up and made me a lot more successful than I ever was. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I mean, sometimes with comedy, it's an ebb and flow, like with you and the audience, like the audience. Well, they let me know something that sucks. You. Oh yeah, so that I to the point where it's it forced it. Exactly, it was like a snap that. Um, I snapped and eventually my self-defense mechanism finally kicked in after months of just ranting on stage and not being funny at all and finally figured out which direction I was supposed to be going in and felt much better. Yeah. I, uh, I think mine was, I use it in the joke. I, I was doing a joke about suicide. I was doing a lot of jokes about suicide at the time. And a guy says, I think he was tired of me. He said, uh, you do what you're going to do. So have at it. And I then started thinking about like how the audience perceives my jokes, but also like coming about it, not in like a cutesy way, but in a more taking dark stuff and do it with like a bright face and a smile. So that audiences see where I'm coming from. Cause I've, I've always viewed myself as like saying dark stuff, but with like kind of an innocent demeanor. And I think that's when I started noticing it's when people started getting mad at me for, uh, kind of trying to be something I'm not and being a little bit too depressed. Um, and that's where it came into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this said, I, there's so much in it. It feels so dense. I feel like there's so much in there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's turning into one of my favorite sets after just watching it. Cause it felt like a show. It felt like, it's 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 actually what no, I, I mean it's it's what I as close as I think I've ever seen to actually being at the show exactly. and actually being able to see something unique and uh, HBO doesn't even really ever play it anymore except for it like they have it so they have a comedy uh, channel that's just HBO comedy right and that one it'll occasionally play at like three in the morning um, or like once a month or something like that like they don't even really ever let anybody watch it because it's like just they have so many of his other like polished specials and this one's completely unpolished but they don't think they understand that that's the best one because it's so raw and actual and, and you feel like you're actually there yeah i think and you mentioned this earlier with how you write i think sometimes when things are overly polished there are comics that i think overly polished is their thing that's what they're i think Mulaney, you a raw Mulaney would be kind of not well, I don't like to hear it, law and order jokes anyways, much less unpolished law and order jokes. Like, right. All he does is just do TV pop culture stuff. Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, I'm not, I, I think that's important for him because his material means nothing. Right. But when you're. He's joking about TV. So like when someone's talking about sort of a raw or emotional topic that can generally, that, that can be a raw approach. Exactly. Someone's talking about riffing off of an existing art which is makes our jokes naturally derivative in nature then they need to polish it more to make it stand out mm-hmm. because frankly it is on the shoulders of an existing product and exactly i think when you're writing you just need to focus on like what are you talking about and what needs how do you need to say this no because if you talked about something if you talk about something raw and emotional and you say it with like a routine, you know, word for word, it just comes off as disingenuous and you lose the emotion behind it. Well, it's something that for to be able to talk about it, people will want to know that you have a right to talk about it. Exactly. And for some restrained reason, we have this opinion that, uh, you know, that pain is uh, special. 
And it's, no. it's not. It's actually very, it's very common. All of us have it. Uh, recovery is special, but pain is not. And because we have that false um, uh, barrier to entry there, you have to have gone through X amount of pain to talk about X amount of things. Then you have to get a certain kind of street cred to be able to do that kind of a thing. Like it, requ it does require that you approach the subject differently. Um, if if there's something I found, I can talk about whatever I want as long as I am in fact actually over it myself. Exactly. If I am not over it, they will smell that on me and then not, they'll be like, oh, well, don't talk about this right now. You're going to yeah, just wait. Don't eat too fast. You'll choke. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, like calm down and chew the subject in your brain a little bit more before you let it come out. When you're talking about an emotional subject, uh, I used to do speech and whenever we did an emotional thing, you have to put yourself in that emotional spot. When you're talking about something and you're joking about something, that is maybe serious or personal to you, do you have to put yourself back in that spot? Do you have to feel that anger, have to feel that pain in order to I purposely about it? choose subjects that I don't ever have to fake it. So if okay. I bring it up, it's still real. It, it will immediately kick in mm -hmm. the feeling, but uh, not all the jokes need the feeling. Like, right. um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I, if you write it well enough, you don't have to fake the emotion. It should be there. It should be there. It's attached to the subject. So uh, I, I think it's important that I, I never do it, but also it means I, I can't talk about something that doesn't have any, or, or that I, if it's too much and I can't talk about it, then it's, and then I won't talk about it. Like, but, it, but it, they should still years later, there are a lot of jokes that my emotion has changed on some of them. And that changes the joke, but I'm still happy with how it works. So yeah. if not, then I'll just change how, how I how I say it. Um, there's a little bit. I mean, obviously, there's some subjects that have a lot less fire in them in my heart right. when, I, when I talk about them. But I still have some, and it's still, and I, I really more can still still bring that out. I'm not faking any of it, um, but I'm also not trying to. That's also was part of a problem was when I was first doing some of the stuff that I was too angry. Right. So it's better that I have more distance from it and that yeah. I, and it makes it easier for me to think and talk around it and everything and gives the audience more confidence that it's fine. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I, if anything, I was, I was yelling too much in the yeah. beginning. Have you ever written a subject that you had a lot of fire in your belly about and then got numb to? And if so, like, do you? You know, there's two jokes that I cut from my first album that were, they, they were where I was mad at someone mm -hmm. someone specific yeah. and i cut them because i i didn't want in my albums for me to ever be insulting any one person, person. i didn't want that um i just felt like that would be a bad look over time and that was something that i did have all that fire in it but it always came out wrong because people were like why are you attacking these people and like it'd be funny yeah but also these people didn't deserve that it was just mad at the time you know what i mean like it wasn't and the so, right type of and laugh. so i'm glad i i cut it because I later realized that I don't care at all. Like I'm not, I'm not mad at either one of them for what they, what happened. And like, you don't do those jokes anymore. Yeah, at all. Yeah. And so I cut them from the album, and I cut them from was that because I stopped being mad at. I I was the one be in the uh, that was um, taking advantage of my position with a microphone to punch down on uh, to people that realistically everyone does stupid shit during death stuff, and mm -hmm. one person. Um, kept some belongings that weren't theirs and but they were just doing it to try to remember someone but i was still like upset about it at the time and then another time um it was a personal like relationship matter but i don't uh it, it's never a good look 
making fun of, uh, you know, like, and I, well, uh, right. I don't know. I don't really want to get into it because I don't want to spread their business, but it was something that was very insulting to me and I was mad about it. And then I got, then I realized that it was none of my business and that being on the receiving end sometimes of a betrayal is not as hard as having to deal with the consequences of doing it sometimes. Right. So, uh, and I, I just, I want nothing to do with any of that. Yeah. And I, so I'm very glad that I didn't have an album where I'm attacking someone. There's actually on my first album, I do at one point use the word bitch and I feel bad about that still because, yeah. but I mean, and it was like, not saying you are a bit, it was a joke about saying, being a real bitch. And, you know, but I still feel, still feel bad. It's like, I should have used a different word. Like, and cause the, the gendered uh, attack is unnecessary. And mm-hmm. while I did cut out other things that are like that, I do purposely when trying to do albums, we're going to make them last longer. The evergreen. Anyway. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's it, try to make sure that they're timeless. And yeah. um, that has that negative twinge to it. I never want to have to later look at a joke and go like, well, back in the day, we were allowed to say, because I like, guess why I don't use like, you know, oh, some curse words that I know that are just not going to that I don't think are going to age well. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to use any slur like if I can ever help it. Like, right. Yeah. That's a day-to-day, I think, uh, rule. Don't use any slurs. For sure. Um, but um, so uh, Carlin, I think, is a great example of you need to have anger. You need to have emotions if you're talking about something you're emotional about. Uh, but it needs to be controlled anger. Uh, if he was just ranting and raving. That's like, why he became a very, very, very written comic. Like It did show towards like his 90s where I think that's where I didn't like Carlin. And that was my introduction to him is during his more kind of not fake angry but it felt like a showman angry well, it, 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 it became a little bit like that towards the end mm-hmm. um however i will say there the album what he, the stuff he cut from his last album that you maybe uh the 911 yeah. stuff yeah yeah i do have that album actually but he cut a lot from it because the one that was recorded on 911 at the last minute and there was like, there actually were, if you listen to the, the album that came out after his death, that has like interviews and everything and the yep. recordings of what those jokes were, there were some really good ones in there that were completely cut that would have maybe changed your your idea of that. Because like he talks about snitching and yeah. like the trucks that have the thing on the back said, call this number if whatever. It's like, if you ever fucking snitch on somebody else, that guy's drunk driving over the road, you keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I hate, I hate when people snitch on other people. Like, you're talking, there's all these examples and everything yeah. like that. And he's just like, that's why I hate in the fucking, uh, like, in the in local legal system, you can uh, snitch on someone else to get your own sentence reduced. And he goes, you know, well, you know what I don't like about that? When you die and you go up to heaven and you talk to St. Peter, you look at him in the face and you say, look, man, I know I did some fucked up shit, but I have got some info for you on some other people. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> are you going to snitch on somebody? Are you think they're going to give a shit up there? No, that's not how that works. You just, you're supposed to have been a good person the whole way. You don't get you don't get to get out of this because of that shit, because yeah. you ratted on someone else. And he, hate, he, just, he hates that. Like, like, they didn't get caught. You're the one who got caught. By the way, are you dragging them down with you? They were good at being assholes. You're the one that's a bad asshole. Like, <laughs> like, he's actually like tearing into them for it. And that I really like. Yeah. That, but that's also a much meaner bit that he, that does make more sense in that album. But he had to cut all of that and he cut all that last minute. And I think it makes that last one look weak because yeah. it, because he took the teeth out. And yeah. So it's like most of what everyone got exposed to in the 2000s was an album with no teeth, despite the fact that he had written it in. 
Exactly. He just cut it for that. And then he, no one ever got to see him ever again. Like, but he had just recordings of him practicing the bit that they put on a, an album after his death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had like interviews with like his agent and manager and other things like that. Yeah. Um, if you had to take away anything from this album, sorry, special, that could improve your comedy or that you would teach someone by watching this, what would it be? Sometimes the better art is in being more relaxed. That the, the beauty of a natural set, like just a natural performance and a right. performer and not being too written and too stiff to show that someone like the joy that a whole group of people can have on him fucking up a line and getting and again and someone yet throwing things at him and like uh, and, and see how ridiculous that that uh, fireside chat warning is like to show you like it was a different it was a different time, but it was still exactly what you still want to be. Yeah, it may have been different, but it's still the same. And there is and that is a, is a goal to reach is to be able to know your material that in and out to be able to have fun with it, to be able to stop and joke, to be able to be on just on the right side where people still are worried whether or not you know what you're fucking doing. But if you watch it yourself, you realize how insane it is that anybody would care at all yeah. about any of this. But yet. That's that's the beauty of it is you should uh, somebody told me once, you know, uh, a set's good when only one or two people leave and like an album recording, like when the majority loving it, but you're just on that edge where like one or two people are like, this is too much for me. And it's like, good, it should be a little too much for some people. That doesn't mean shock. That doesn't mean go too far, but that does like that's just something. There are there's some people's sensibilities that simply don't need to exist sometimes, how do you, and they how should do you get checked. That difference between shocking and too much. What's the I difference? Think that's your, I think I think if you're surprised that they left, then it was then you're then you're mm. fine. If you were doing it intentionally, that's when I think you're just, that it's not going to be right. So you should still be surprised that they would even be offended at that. Right. Like you shouldn't have expected it. If you expected it and shot for it. Then that's when I think it's too far. So it's about your intentions. If yeah. you if you think what you're saying Someone, is truthful, the two people you should have kicked out should have been people who don't listen to intention. They're people who only listen to say specific words. Or right. Specific, right? Or they have set rules of things that they're not supposed to talk about, which are things that shouldn't exist in the first place. That's what you should have been hitting, but you shouldn't have been searching for it either. Yeah. So uh, your intention should have always been good. And if yes. you if you have the intention of shocking someone, then I think then you're on the wrong path. Right. And uh, shocking shocking doesn't last. Shocking kind of just goes away pretty quickly. Well, that's what even Carlin said about the guy who did the nursery rhymes. Uh, would smoke a cigarette like I'm saying at the time. Who is that leather jacket guy? It was it. Oh, D- Dice Clay. Yeah, Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. So that's what he said about. Uh, he said his his show, shows felt like a a, a fascist rally. Where it's just a bunch of people trying to act like they've been hurt when they're not. And it's like, so if it, what he was shooting for was a certain type of people. Yep. Well, that's never what Cor- Carlin was doing. No. So it's like, that's why you get a, a, an idea of what's going to last longer. Mm-hmm. It's like when someone's just immediately speaking to uh, pe- lower people's fears, like people that get at a fascist rally, kind of like that, like, like at a Trump rally. Yeah. That's not going to last. That's why they have to keep going and keep doing more. They're heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're like a populist attitude of people convincing themselves that they're the ones that are hurt. Uh, well, Carlin was speaking to people who are actually hurt. hurt. And yeah. so it lasted. Mm-hmm. Like his jokes are still around. Yep. That by Andrew Dice Clay's or not. Nope. So it's, 
this is the same way that um, no one will remember a specific Trump rally. No. There's not going to, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just a bunch of people patting themselves on the back. I, that's why I think, like, the way he put, he ended it with talking about this idea of killing and violence, where the other one, he just ends it on the, you can prick your finger, but you can't finger your prick. Yeah. Because he was talking about more general things that affects everyone is this, this thing about making love and not war. He also frames the more controversial part of his set, Seven Dirty Words, after talking about walking and going to the grocery store, because it's just saying these words, saying fuck, saying shit, it's normal, it's fine. We shouldn't be offended, and the people that were offended are the two people that walked out. Yeah, exactly. And that's why HBO made the the uh, disclaimer for the two people. Two uh, people, and and right before, like he was taking a sip, and there's words on screen. It's weird that you needed that much because they spent half of it talking about the new three words. Uh, what fart, shit, and twat. Uh, fart and twat. Basically, I yeah. remember the third one, but. It was just mostly fart jokes about how we're afraid of saying the word fart. Yeah, that's what. Tate, I, that, I that's why I, I love that fucking special so much because it's so stupid too. Yeah. And yet, for, so uh, and to be his very first HBO special seems so cool. I just I don't know. I just I, I love the energy in it, and it's it's such a rare. I think something that most people have never seen, and a lot of people that even talk about Carlin have just never seen that one. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the one to fucking watch. I, I highly recommend this one. This one. Even more than Class Clown, like this is the one you need to sit and watch because the way my big takeaway about this is when you're saying your jokes, if it's about something, you need to feel something. Like I'll know, we comics will know when it's a bit you're tired of, when you don't care anymore. Yeah. And so will the audience. The audience will get bored if you're bored. This is all still new to him. Like yeah. he's still fresh and he's alive. And it's like, it's, I mean, well, yeah, because that matters now that he's dead. But he was, <laughs> but he was like alive with energy. And it's just, it's so, it's such a natural look at one of the best comedians I've, I've ever seen in my entire life. And I mm-hmm. felt like I've actually seen him live because of this special. Yes, and this feels more so like I, I remember listening to Reality, What a Concept by uh, Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, that was something that even if I were to actually watch it on camera, wouldn't I feel registered with me because it was really meant for that moment, for that audience who wanted to see the guy from Morgan Mindy at the end of season one yeah. do a crazy Russian voice. Whereas this, I really did feel like I was sitting and watching. I stopped doing extra stuff. Like I stopped putting all this stuff up. Yeah, or reaching out to other uh, comps because like this felt like I was I paid to see a ticket to watch him perform. <laughs> right, you get, you get the the feel all all the 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 rush of being in a crowd like yeah. and that's so hard and it's so hard to do that with a stand up special and somehow his very first one ever was right out of the park and then nobody almost knows about it because it looks so unpolished. You don't even see that with Netflix specials today, like uh, yeah. watching that with again Jim Gaffigan. Well, well they, that's because they have editors and record and yeah. di- and directors. They have people who direct that. This was just a camera and the fucking crowd. You know what's close to this is David tells road work. Yeah, yeah, where he just gives a guy a camcorder. He picks a guy in the front of the audience, just gives him a camcorder, and yeah. they just do it. And then he has a camera guy, and they cut between different locations. And in doing that, it just feels like you're following with different clubs. Yeah, and that's a style. Uh, it's somewhat replicated in Adam Sandler's, but it's newest 100% fresh. That is way too polished and like kind of uh, sterile. But there's something to be said about just having a special where it feels you're in a club. It feels sloppy. And I, you don't get that anymore. And it's not nearly It just feels like you're, you're watching from the fence outside of a stadium, yep. an outdoor stadium show that you didn't pay the ticket for. Yeah. And like you're just still like, 
trying to trying to hear what's going on. Yeah, and you manage to find a good angle. Um, so that's that's this one always felt like to me like when you just walk up on a good show and mm. it, it's like that, but you you didn't you just heard in um it was like an outdoor stadium kind of thing. Like it's just it's dirty. Yeah, and I, and I like it. Love it. Um, so here's my rapid fire uh, questions to end it off. Uh, favorite comics. Uh, George Carlin and then Richard Pryor and then uh, this is a hard one my my, my third because um, I at some points would say uh, Jackie Cation and because some of her writing is just absolutely right. fantastic and then there's sometimes when um, I mean I think about Dave Chappelle but also I, I realize he's very extremely good at building tension but then he throws things away mm-hmm. um, he, he, did, he dismisses the tension he doesn't do anything with it so that's something where I don't necessarily want to put him on the the, the top three for that uh, yeah and, and there's just there's so many good comics out there that it's very hard to, to, to do that third spot um, because also I love Red Fox and I was raised on Red Fox yeah. but also I've realized that Gonald really mostly what he's doing are street jokes or maybe he made up some street jokes I don't know but it's kind of hard to put him in it's like, it's like a oh god who's the guy he harsh voice voiced the Affleck duck Gilbert Godfrey yeah Gilbert Godfrey also kind of street jokes yeah and yeah. so it's just I just I, I'm, I'm fine with those with those two and I don't think I'm comfortable with a third right now. That's fair. There's um, too many. Because I've been doing this week to week, I always try and change it. Uh, Carlin is slowly getting up there. Pat and Oswald, the Kyle can name for me, are some really top ones. And then, of course, I I love Tig. Uh, Tig's writing is just so so quick and so smart. And it doesn't, I, I don't, I never say this as an insult. It doesn't feel like I'm laughing per minute funny. It's more like, I'm super engaged, and this is the most feel good I'll ever be. Yeah, and that's what Tig is, and that's why I really love Tig Notaro so much. Oh, she's great. Like I yeah. love that special, but uh, she does that running gag the whole time about the uh, the B on the four or five. Yeah, like, I, I I love it. Um, Her pig joke, where she is talking about wearing pig pajamas, and then an audience member is a pig. She says, "Hey, just want to tell you about the joke. Pig fan, pig fan," and it was just. <laughs> And it's like, that's just a dumb little thing, yeah. but it's so charming in the world that she builds. And I think that's a smart, uh, a smart comedy that can do that. Um, favorite sandwich. Um, oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I guess I'd go, go, to, the, go to the club. Oh, really? That's got a lot in there. I mean, I, I love I also uh, Philly cheesesteaks, but I'm trying not to order those a lot. Really? There's a place around here called Booze Philly Cheesesteaks, and it's so fucking good. Is that new? Is that nearby? Uh, there's probably one around here. There's one where I'm at in Silver Lake, but you can order them off Grub, obviously. Yeah, but they're really fucking. Oh, I might do that. They're they're a, a really good fucking Philly cheesesteak, man. I um, love a good Philly, man. Well, they're they're one of the best ones I've ever had, yeah. and it's just like you can order it delivery real quick. They're they're always very fast about it. Nice. And it's just it's a massive sandwich that Ooh. will knock you out. Um, but I would say actually Italian beef from Protillo's dipped with, uh, uh, peppers, nice. with both kinds of peppers and mozzarella cheese might be my favorite sandwich. I like a good patty melt. Like even a shitty diner can make a decent patty melt for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's like a Reuben. Like, you're yeah. really going to find like a lot of places like, okay, I get this. This is just a set thing of ingredients. It's the default. But that's why I like, uh, the Chicago Italian beef sandwich. Yeah. Uh, just because it really makes sense. So really only the quality of the meat and <laughs> whether or not they have put enough peppers on there for you. Mm. Uh, it's very simple. Just, yeah. uh, and, and like, like, 
uh, Philly cheese when they just put the cheese whiz on it as opposed to yes, yeah, because uh, we only have like a chain that does Phillies and that's uh, Pepper Jacks. And yeah. they do they don't do cheese whiz, they do slices of the cheese. No, there's you choose at, at the booze chill, Philly, okay. you, so you can get cheese whiz. And and what, do you, what do you prefer? Cheese whiz. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get the Philly fucking version of it. I've never um, had it with the cheese whiz. So it's, it's 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 very good. It's better than you think. Okay. Uh, because it sounds gross, but then when you actually eat it, you're like, okay, this is actually really fucking good. The grossest I've ever eaten is I was at a because of the 30th anniversary of UHF, and Weird Al was one of the main reasons I started doing comedy. Yeah. Uh, there was a contest. I was already a little drunk because I was drinking doing a, during a podcast. Yeah. And they picked three people all at random, and they had a Twinkie Wiener sandwich with cheese whiz. Surprisingly, not bad. It was cheese and cheese whiz and meat. I, I get it now. I can see the appeal. <laughs> well, you, you got to do them together. That's the other thing. Um. Our weirdest open mic experience. Um. Oh wow. Um. I've been a lot of. I've seen a lot of weird stuff happen at a lot of open mics. Um. So, shit. Uh, I've seen. Oh, I. I mean, I. I oh, that's just like asking. You know, that's something I go to open mics almost every single day. So, it's, yeah. um, I still do open mics before and after all my shows if I can help it. Yeah. Um. I would say, um, well, for me personally, I used to run an open mic in, uh, in Rigbyville in Chicago, uh, that was, uh, awful. And I, I, and I, I would do longer sets between people. And one time, um, uh, when, when I gave the mic, when I left Chicago, I gave it, I was going to end it. And then somebody was like, no, give it to me. And I gave it to them and then they died right afterwards. So I would say that like during the sets, like no, like 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 right when they t- took over, they like they just like died, like like right after taking over the mic, uh, like a week or two later, they just died. Holy shit! Okay, um, that was pretty weird. Yeah, because I, I used to everyone didn't like the mic because I would just talk about death the entire time. When I was is when I was learning how to do it, and <laughs> while I was running that mic, all my family died, and then I gave it to somebody, and then they died, and so it was like, all right, I'm out of here. Like, damn. I'm not messing with anybody anymore. Like, <laughs> if I love anyone, my life, I will kill you. Well, yesterday I was talking to Alex, uh, and during one of my shows, it was a show called Fast and Fresh. Uh, oh, and com- some, somebody had a heart attack one time during a show that I was at. That was a show, not an open mic. That's, uh, yeah, during one of our shows, it was a guy was uh, doing a set, a uh, bigger man slunched over. We thought he just got really drunk, and his wife was hitting him, hitting him, hitting him. And then he couldn't stand up, so people had to pick him up, take him to the main area, and then outside... Then we hear an ambulance guy had a heart attack and the host doesn't take a minute, looks out, sees the ambulance and goes, all right, here's your next comic, Jeremy Plum. And I don't know. No, no. <laughs> Why was it? While I was on stage. Then we heard a loud thud and it was where the guy just collapsed. The owner of the bar just collapsed. Shit. And uh, then like really somebody came in and was like, does anybody know CPR? And literally four people stood up to go, I do. And it's like, well, yeah, but you don't all four need to fucking go. Only one of you needs to go like to one, maybe for support. Like, but no, <laughs> like there's only 10 people in the audience anyway. So I was like, the fuck is wrong with you? Maybe you a know? spotter. I don't know. Yeah. Like what are you, what are you going to hold the legs? Like what is, this is not needed, but that's like me being greedy and being like, yeah. no, 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 you stay and watch my set while they save a life. <laughs> Uh, I remember once we did an open mic and there was a fight got breaking out and everyone got tense and then we heard a gunshot and everyone freaked out. I ran into the uh, room where people were performing because there was no exits. Yeah. Uh, and kind of find out they didn't shoot at anyone. They shot at someone's windshield. 
And I was like, okay. So we, and we just continued the open mic because I still hadn't gone up yet. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, favorite joke that, you, that you've written? Right now, currently, my favorite joke that I've written was um, in regards to... I mean, I really do think Ding Dong the Mitch is Dead is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, just simply because I, 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 you don't even have... I love that pun so much because it's so stupid. And on top of that, all I had to do was just turn one letter upside down. I didn't even replace it. I just took a W and flipped it. And then it's a perfect... Like, it's like the, the least amount of effort to make anything into a joke. And... <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I was, I was really happy with, I mean, obviously I have better jokes. I think but like that's, that's right now I'm currently my favorite. Yeah. Uh, just cause I mean, how do, how do you get so lucky that your dad's name is Mitch? <laughs> it sounds like it wins. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's just too easy. <laughs> One of the newer jokes I'm writing that I love is the joke, the time I got arrested and in the cop car, uh, I was kind of chatty and pretty chill. And the cop asked me why. And I said, I'm a comic. This isn't my worst night. Uh, Followed by them asking me to tell me a joke, and I say I do a type five. I don't tell my suicide jokes because that's entrapment. Yeah, and it's just a lot of fun. It's taking a situation and just playing with it, and also playing with the expect like not an expectation, but playing with what every comment what you've heard through my entire set and yeah. acknowledging it. I think stuff like that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, why do you tell jokes? Why do you Why do you do comedy? Uh, I don't really know any other way. To live anymore it's been too long at this point um i just naturally do that they, they say it's a de- defense mechanism i just i like to uh i mean i'm not i guess controlling but control how i perceive things in my perspective and jokes are a very good way to practice changing your perspective so i i, I can't stop doing that since i realized that ended up helping me with my mental health more than anything being able to let go of stuff being able right. to everything like so I continue to do it because it continues to help my life yeah. and it's not therapy, but it is therapeutic. Yeah. I think, uh, when I started my first, very first joke, when I started doing comedy regularly was a suicide joke. When I had started having those thoughts, well, not starting to, but having them more continuously. Yeah. Uh, and then now talking about OCD, uh, both on the podcast and off, I feel like it's not therapeutic, but it feels more, I feel more open and comfortable about it so I can address it. Yeah. And I feel more more of myself when talking about these subjects and it's it's been helpful. I only think when you first start, there's there's you where you are as a person and then there's you where you think you want to be as a performer. And the honest truth is instead of crossing that gap and becoming that person you think you should be, you in fact actually, not only your expectations change, but your normal self changes and they exactly. meet in the middle. And so by doing comedy, it's made me a person that I want to be and made me love myself a lot more and be happy with it. Mm-hmm. Like, by, by, sorry, but I I'm, I'm never was that ideal fantasy of what I wanted to be. Who I actually was meant to be was somewhere in the middle, and I'm very happy to be that. So Exactly. I think, yeah. I remember a friend talking to me saying, why does every comic talk about being sad all the time? I was like, because for some of us, this is just our chance to actually get it out. And they feel like some sort of sense of person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where can we find you? And where are your, you said you have albums. Where can we find your albums? Well, both my albums are available on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Walmart, Target, uh, wherever you want. There's some even on eBay for some reason. Um, <laughs> what are the name of the albums? Uh, Angry and Alone and Dead and Gone. And um, I'm working on the third one right now. It's not out yet. i got a lot of work before I can even think about recording that they're both on right. AST records um which is like Pat Oswalt's label and a few yep. other people and um uh 
then let's see it starts finding me i am doing shows all around in uh la i just i I just got back from some family shit so i haven't been able to really schedule any road stuff but i'll be one of the headliners in the boise idaho comedy fest uh the 208 festival um and i just doing local stuff for a little bit trying to get my schedule back together awesome uh, well, you can find me at Red Shoes Plum on Twitter and Plum Jeremy on Instagram. Um, and you can, of course, find this podcast, if you haven't already, on Instagram, um, oops, on Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on our website on websites.com. Um, that's been our show. I hope you're, whoever you're listening to it, we made our day a little better. That's <laughs> <laughs> Sean. It's been amazing talking to you. Thank you very much. And also online, uh, Sean White Comedy. Um, so S-E-A-N, white comedy. That's uh, probably not the best way to say that, but thank you for having me.